Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. For the first time in a while, I have quite a bit of fun travel coming up this summer. And I'm really counting on Macy's to help round out my wardrobe for some of these trips. Right now, I've got my eye on a new bag and sandals from Coach and some super cute tops and dresses from Macy's on 34th brand. And you can never really have too many pairs of sunglasses. And there are a lot of cute options to explore right now. If you need a little help getting your summer look together, shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. You may have heard that most people who are black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, 
It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 128 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Are you someone who's constantly putting things off into the last minute? I know this is something I'm definitely guilty of, and sometimes I can figure out why I'm procrastinating, and other times it's not so easy to figure out. So I wanted to chat with someone today to help us try to figure out what might actually be behind all the procrastinating we do in our lives. For this conversation, I was joined by Dr. Millette Andala. Dr. Andala is a licensed psychologist working in the suburbs of Atlanta. She works mainly with adult clients facing concerns around anxiety, depression, relationship concerns, trauma, immigrant life, and identity concerns. Dr. Andala and I chatted about the different ways we procrastinate, how to get a better understanding of what's driving our procrastination, some tips for getting a little bit better at not procrastinating, And she shares some of her favorite resources to help you out if you're still looking for more information. If you hear anything that really resonates with you while listening, please be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBGInSession. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Ndala. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, so we are going to be talking more about a topic that we started at the Will to Be Well a couple of weeks ago that we had here in Atlanta. And when I heard your topic announced, I was like, oh, I definitely want to hear more about this. (laughs) (laughs) I think all of us could benefit. Absolutely, absolutely. So the topic we're going to be chatting more today about is procrastination and like the real deal behind procrastination. So what do you think we should know about procrastination, Dr. Ndala? Procrastination, when you go into kind of like, what is the, how is that formally defined? Basically, it's an act of unnecessarily postponing decisions or actions that you know need to be made, right? It's not forgetting. It's not, you know, sometimes people will judge themselves or somebody else who tends to procrastinate a lot. So it's not about laziness. It's not that people don't care, but there's an internal psychological process that's happening that's keeping you from pursuing something at a pace that would be most efficient. Mm, okay. And that feels like the key there, like the most efficient piece. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> now, sometimes people will say, I work best under pressure and kind of push things off until the last minute. And then that helps, you know, kind of produce something really quick. But if you think of it, like logically, if you're working at something on something at a, at a reasonable pace, it's probably going to be more quality work. It's probably going to be less stressful. But all of that gets lost in procrastination. OK, so if that is the case, then why do we do it? That's the million dollar question. <laughs> right. Let us give us all the million dollar answers. So basically, whenever we have a, a task, that's especially when it's something that's important to us, and we need to get something done. There's two main processes that we rely on, right? So number one, of course, is self-control. Like how can you control kind of how you schedule your time, your structure yourself to be efficient? And then also motivation. You actually have to have motivation to do something in order to get it done efficiently, quickly. So, you know, for example, cleaning your house, you might have all the self-control and structure in place, but if you really don't enjoy cleaning your house, that can become a task that procrastination can be applied in, right? And 
what happens is, is that we encounter what are called demotivating factors. These are things like anxiety, fear of failure, a lot of times kind of emotional processes that, that hinder both our motivation and then eventually our self-control, right? In addition to demotivating factors, there's also things that are called hindering factors. So things like how exhausted are you, like mental exhaustion, or, you know, I have an idea of, of like a case example of, for example, somebody who wants to apply to med school, right? In something like that, sometimes the rewards that we gain from the particular thing that we feel like we need to do are so far in the, in the future that there really isn't any reward system in place presently that keeps us uh, motivated. And so when you encounter a situation where these um, demotivating factors and hindering factors get in your way, they outweigh the benefits of it in the present. That's when you start to procrastinate. Ah, so all along, we're just thinking like, oh, I just don't want to do this. But there is all this stuff playing out in the background. There's all this stuff. And honestly, you know, all of that, everything that I just said can be kind of grouped into what people might say is psychobabble. The bottom line of it to kind of simplify that is emotions. Emotions get in the way, right? A lot of times when we're procrastinating, there's something about the activity that brings up negative emotions for us, negative feelings, stress, anxiety, boredom, whatever it is. And your body, your mind basically says, stopping feeling whatever I'm feeling right now is more important than this task or whatever consequences from this task it may be. And I'm just not going to do it. And I'm going to go do something else that I feel better. That's the simple process. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like a lot of maybe what might help to manage procrastination would be really getting in touch with these emotions. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So if we stick with the example, maybe of applying to like medical school, you said one of the main hindering factors would be that like the payoff is so far out in the future that you can't necessarily connect it to any immediate reward. What might be some of the emotions underneath that kind of an example? So some of the emotions might be things like, I'm going to be judged. When I do this application, what if people basically laugh at my application, right? What if it's not good enough? What if I don't get in? Fear of not getting in. There's also the opposite, right, of that, that people really don't think about when we talk about procrastination or think about it. But what if I do get in? That could be a fear in of itself, right? Because there may be this perception of, I have to learn to function at this next higher level. What if I can't do that? And if I get in, I'm going to have to function in that space all the time. And what if I just, what if I fail? Yeah. So some of the fear of success stuff popping up there. Yeah. I'm guessing most people don't have any awareness of this necessarily, right? Like it feels like some of this would be playing out very rapidly so that you wouldn't even necessarily know that this is connected to the procrastination. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I can even talk from my own personal experience of uh, I have some writing to do or paperwork I need to do. I'm just going to go check Facebook real quick. I'm just going (laughs) to go play this game. I'm just going to play one round and then 30 minutes later, you know, nothing is done. And now I'm even more anxious. It's a very quick process that happens. Mm-hmm. So how do you suggest maybe slowing down the process? There are basically four steps that you want to think about implementing when procrastination is a problem. Um, number one is, is this goal a good fit for you, right? So for something like, do I want to go to med school or not? Really thinking about what is your motivation for going to med school? 
you know, sometimes it's, I don't even want to go, but my family expects me to go. So what are the factors around this being a goal for you? How much does it fit with your goals in life period? Basically, why am I doing what I need to do, right? Then if that is the issue, then there's some work around that that you can do. Once you've explored your goals and why you're doing what you're doing, the next step is figuring out when, how, and why you procrastinate. So going back to this med school process, is it at the very beginning? Is it, you know, I don't even know if I want to do this. Is it, I don't know what the steps are to apply to med school and get into med school successfully. Is it, I know the steps, but I'm overwhelmed. Or, you know, some of those fears that we talked about earlier, will I get in? What if I get in? Will I get into a good enough school? And are those the hindrances? It could be around the MCAT. So you already know that you want to do this. You know how to do this. But then you think about now it's time to study and sign up for MCAT. And then what's happening there? Could there be possible ADHD or learning disability or test anxiety? Are you feeling overwhelmed with the studying process and need help structuring that? Or is it the actual application? So again, this is where some of the fears come in, fear of failure, perfectionism, fear of success, just being overwhelmed. So understanding when, how, and why I procrastinate on this specific task. Step three is you want to create a plan of action based on this research that you've done around how, when, and why I specifically procrastinate on this particular task. And then step four is implementing that plan and then also having a system in place to monitor the progress. Because sometimes we'll come up with a plan, but then we'll need to tweak it as we go along as as things shift. So you want to make sure you're also uh, kind of monitoring how the new plan is going. Got it. Okay. And do you think that these four steps are something that you could do by yourself or would you need to be working with a therapist to do this? No, there's a whole slew of professionals that you can reach out to, right, to help you with, depending on where kind of the the issue lies for you specifically. Mm -hmm. Anywhere along this, like the four steps, a therapist would be fantastic to have as a way of helping you work the steps, helping you even figure out, out the answers to some of these questions. So therapy is definitely, I think, beneficial along the way, especially if there's anxiety, fear, if you're getting overwhelmed, different things like that. Therapy is helpful. There are also a lot of coaches, for example, you know, around that I mentioned a minute ago about MCAT and possible ADHD or learning disability. There are coaches that specifically work with people with the ADHD diagnosis or learning disability diagnosis to help you really understand what that diagnosis means to look at how it manifests for you specifically, because that varies from person to person and to help you come up with a clear plan of um, limiting the negative impact that has on your life. I can also think about career counselors, career coaches. So going back to the earlier questions of, is med school the right fit for me? So there are professionals around career decision-making who can help navigate that. And there are people you can hire who can help you, even with, you know, if you're overwhelmed by the steps of applying to med school, there are professionals who do that. And so the bottom line is, you know, we're using this med school application process as an example, but whatever it is for different people, there probably are professionals out there who can help you work those steps. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of, you know, like before we get to step three and four in terms of like the action plan and like assessing the plan, you really need to spend a lot of time at step number one to kind of figure out where the procrastination is coming from. Because exactly. if it's related to my family wants me to be a doctor, but I don't really want to, that's a different kind of plan that's of action. Other, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Then if, exactly. you know, I have a learning disability that is making the MCAT difficult for me, that's going to be a different plan. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what might the kind of really teasing out step number one look like? So let me think about another example of um, something that's procrastination. And again, I'll use myself as an example, right? So I'm, I'm co-editing a book right now on, on therapy for African-American women. Um, I'm responsible for co-writing one of those chapters in there. And I'm finding that over the past month and a half, couple months, I'm really not putting in, I'm not producing those pages the way I had it in my mind of the pace that I was going to be working at. And I had to kind of pause and reflect on what's going on um, that's creating this. And so things that I found that, that potentially could be factors for different people, right? One of them is, um, what is your overall, you know, I call it like, even with therapy, whenever I do therapy with people, kind of your baseline of, of self-care. How are you doing with eating? How are you doing with sleeping, exercise, balance between work and rest um, that really helps um, set your body up to be at the optimal pace of, of productivity, of managing stress, all of that. And one thing that I've learned recently that I've come to terms with is how I had expectations of myself, of my productivity level, of what that looked like before I had a child versus what that looks like now with a three and a half year old who doesn't sleep through the night. Mm -hmm. So I was setting a pace for myself of how the academic me used to perform back in the day before family, before kids and expecting myself to replicate that, that now when life circumstances have completely shifted. And so really looking at what are your life circumstances currently um, and how do you accommodate for the things that are, you know, family, responsibilities, work that have to get done in addition to this particular goal? How do those things fit together? I think in general, another factor that will come up for people, if there is a barrier, there is some level of anxiety that gets kicked up with procrastination. Either procrastination, you're experiencing anxiety. And so you are procrastinating as, a, as an emotion regulation tool, right? Using procrastination to, to manage anxiety. Or if you allow the procrastination to go far along enough, it will create anxiety for you because there are these things that really need to get done that are important. They're not getting done and adding stress to your life. So having really good stress and anxiety, anxiety management tools are important both in preventing procrastination, but then also in managing when it is there. There are also some things that people can think about around efficient time management skills that you'll want to look at. And again, these there are professionals who can help you implement this, but how do you do with structuring yourself? How do you do with setting limits? You know, that the self-control piece that I mentioned at the beginning. And there they really are these systems in place that can make all of this easier, but they're not necessarily intuitive. And there are people who've really perfected this as an art form who can help you, again, look at your specific scenario, your kind of time and availability, and help you identify really good 
time management tools. So I want to take a step back to something that you said um, in the beginning of our chat. And I think a lot of people identify this way, this whole idea of like, I work best under pressure. Mm -hmm. And I think there are some people that really, really believe that. And so they, you know, almost as a habit and as a ritual will kind of wait until the last minute because they Mm -hmm. feel like that produces some of their best work. So how would you kind of talk to somebody or help them examine, like, is this really accurate? Right. So, and and I think that's a really good question. Is this really accurate? Um, For some people, it may be. And I know, you know, at the event where I first was talking to a group of people about procrastination, one of the things that came up was one person brought up things around schoolwork and getting things turned in on time and really hitting that send button on an assignment at 11.59, you know, 11.58 when it's due at 11.59 PM. Mm -hmm. And I asked, well, okay, so two things to keep in mind. One, what is the emotional impact, the stress level that this process creates for you? And two, how do you feel about the grades that you're getting? Now, if the stress level that this is creating is manageable, it's not fun, but you know, the reality is we do need a little bit of stress to produce. That's part of that stress versus distress difference. Mm-hmm. A little bit of stress is actually a motivating thing. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but as long as the stress is not overwhelming, and as long as you're okay with the grades that you're bringing in, then it's, maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it really is part of your process. However, if either one of those is at a level that feels not tolerable, problem. That's when you know that something needs to change. Mm, okay, so you'd be looking at like what's the level of impact that this really has for you? What's the impact, both for you in terms of um, your stress and kind of your emotional process, and also in achieving the goals that you're working towards? Are you still making progress and moving forward at a pace that feels good enough? Hmm. Something else that I think would be really important to chat about is, um, and we talked about this a lot in the community, a lot of people kind of get into this perfectionism um, when really (laughs) what they're doing is procrastinating, but they kind of have kind of created this narrative like I just want it to be perfect. I can't, you know, work. I have to work until it's perfect. Absolutely. That's one of the things that actually a huge tip around this is avoid that that perfectionist mindset, right? It's, it really goes back to, and it's, it's kind of the language I used it just a second ago with uh, that waiting until the last minute. What is good enough, uh, especially around projects that are really big? Um, and, I, and I say that, and sometimes people will hear what is good enough and automatically view that as a deficit or something that, that is less than. Mm-hmm. But you really have to look at yourself holistically, uh, meaning... What are all the different roles that you have in your life? What are all the different responsibilities that you have in your life? Who are all the people that are depending on you in in your life? Um, And if you're aiming for perfect in every single one of those areas, you will burn out. That's not a sustainable pace. And so really being successful and at peace in life, to me, it comes from modulating that. And so some days I show up for my kid. And I'm at 100% for my kid because I know he needs it in this moment. Other times I say, you know, I reach out to family. I need support with this kid because there's, I have clients that need more from me right now. And so I show up for them. Other times it's, um, you know, professional commitments or, or personal commitments. I just got back from a trip to see, you know, my best friend. And there are other things that have to be put on the back burner in order to be able to make that happen. 
So I think when people think about perfectionism, they, they kind of get hyper-focused on specific areas of their life and forget that they're a whole person with multiple pieces of them that are going out at any given moment. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And really thinking of yourself holistically and what would perfectionism, what would that do to you if you're trying to show up from that place in every area of your life? Yeah, and I think that goes back to the conversation that you talked about earlier related to the anxiety, right? Because what what is this idea of perfection? Like, does perfection really exist in any yes, area? Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, so exactly. if you're working towards this thing that's not realistic, then you yeah. will never feel like you're ready to kind of unleash this thing. Right. You know, so thinking about it again in the context of anxiety and it managing some, some type of anxiety for you. Mm-hmm. And that's where therapy can be helpful because really it's a, a more beneficial way to think about kind of how you show up in different spaces as um, kind of work in progress and something that you're honing on a constant basis. And so rather than thinking about the end product of perfectionism, thinking about it as I'm working to improvement, I'm working towards being better and doing better. And as long as you're making movement towards that, that feels fulfilling, that feels um, satisfying. But sometimes it takes a little bit of therapy around that to to really, really accept that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something else I wanted to expound on, Dr. Andala, that you talked about at the Will to Be Well was this whole idea of as entrepreneurs and as, you know, like post grad school or post undergrad, when you're used to maybe having a very traditional schedule where somebody like planned out what you were supposed to be doing and okay, this is due then. And then when you're not in a traditional setting necessarily with people telling you like what to do and how to spend your time, how there can be the struggle to like figure out how to do that for yourself. Yes. No external structure. Yes. You have to create it all for yourself. Yeah. So what are some of your tips around that? Number one is, it goes back to kind of what we said about number one for managing procrastination is what are your goals? What, why are you an entrepreneur? What are you, why are you doing this? And really having a clearly defined idea of what it is that you're, you're trying to achieve and recognizing that there are steps to that, right? So you're not going to go from zero to 100 in, in building a business in, in 2.2 seconds. So really understanding what it is that you're trying to achieve. And, and for many of us that are going into entrepreneurship, part of that is autonomy. Part of that is having more freedom to manage your schedule and structure yourself and to have the freedom to do that. And sometimes what, what we end up doing is we go and enforce that high level kind of intense structure on ourselves that we were trying to get away from in the first place, right? There really has to be an understanding that each of us is human. We have limits. And if we, again, we have to start with basic self-care, eating, sleeping, some level of exercise, um, where physically we are able to, to kind of run this long race. If we go hard too much too, too soon, you will burn out. And so what you have to have a plan to, that prevents burnout. Once again, then when you're, once you're able to accept that, that um, there is a process to this, there's a, an extended timeline to this, that um, there is going to be, you know, the entrepreneurship, there's ups and downs and cycles that, that are a natural part of this process. Then you can really think about what is the structure, again, that speaks to my whole self. And that speaks to 
who I am as a person and the responsibilities that I hold um, in my life, whether it's family, friends, you know, um, different spaces. And how do you creating a structure that respects all of that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think I had thought about that, right? Like how sometimes the drive to entrepreneurship is to kind of get away from all these things that we don't enjoy, but because right. it is sometimes all we know, we end up replicating that same system in our own businesses. And not only is it, that's all we know, it's also anxiety, right? So if I'm not pulling in all these hours, is my business going to make it? Mm-hmm. Right. So that fear of like, is this business, is this business going to grow the way I need it to? Am I bringing in the income that I need to? It becomes fear-based decision-making rather than kind of a more sustainable uh, decision-making process. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So something I know that I have struggled with that I know you talked about as well is this whole idea of kind of understanding yourself as either a morning person or an evening person. Yes. And so, you know, I, again, have struggled with this myself because I do think I'm much more of an evening person, but the rest of the world, you know, like stuff is open nine to five, right? And right. So even though I have my burst of energy at night, you know, FedEx is not open at three in the morning. Right. Um, you know, so, so how do you manage that? Because I think sometimes I will procrastinate to doing things more in the evening because I feel like that's where my, you know, energy is when really I may be more efficient during it, doing it during the day. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a difference between tasks that require others versus things that you can do on your own time. So what you want to do is really identify your productivity cycle, like really being honest for yourself. Are you that night owl that can stay up until three, four in the morning and be okay? So putting in things that really structuring um, things that you can do independently, things that you need kind of uninterrupted time for during those hours that you're most productive. And then um, things that require others, things that can be outsourced, putting uh, things, um, putting those during kind of traditional business hours, if that makes sense. When you, you know, thinking about entrepreneurship, it's such a, um, there's so many things that are required in running a business you can absolutely fit the things that feel really need your undivided attention into those hours that work best for you. And really other things that require others, you know, moving that to different times. It's, it's about, um, again, going back to planning, having a clear idea of like a task list. This goes back to time management, clear tasks lists, clear calendars, where you're organizing things intentionally. What happens sometimes is, you know, I'll walk into my office, it's Monday morning. I, I reserve, for example, Monday, Tuesdays for documentation, paperwork, like all non-clinical stuff, right? I can come in on a Monday morning, walk into my office and think about, okay, now what am I supposed to be doing? Where do I need to start? You know, and you can imagine that day would go in one direction. <laughs> right. Or I can walk out Friday night with a clear list for myself leave it here at the office. So I don't need to think about it over the weekend. And that way, when I walk in Monday, I have this time blocked out and here's my clear list of things that I want to accomplish. You know, so having that intentionality and planning ahead of time can help with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes like you've mentioned, you know, there is a real emotional drive, but sometimes procrastination really is just like a lack of structure and disorganization. And so if you can put more things in place, like you're mentioning, like a Friday night list so that you walk in on Monday morning knowing what to do, then that can help your day to run much smoother. Exactly. Yeah. Even something as simple as what does your workspace look like? Is it organized? 
Do you have all the tools that you need? Is it contained in one space? Um, versus is it, you know, kind of papers everywhere, messy, you need to go to the store to pick up printer paper, you know, things like that really affect perfectionism. Because again, think of perfectionism is an emotion management tool. And if you can run to the store to go pick up that paper rather than sit here and do what you need to do at a moment of stress, you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, and again, I think, you know, we don't always think about how much of this is playing out in our unconscious, right? So you're not necessarily purposely having to go do a target run, right? But a target run definitely feels much better than like this long list of things that I need to get done. And while you're a target, you might as well stop at the Publix next door because the grocery store home and it keeps going on and on and on. Right, right. Yeah. Good points. Good points. So what are some of your favorite resources, Dr. Mdala, for anybody who maybe wants to read up more on this? Or are there any books or videos that you find yourself frequently suggesting for this topic? There is one that really was the aha moment for me. Um, it was a New York Times article that came out, and it's called Why You Procrastinate. Um, I encourage anybody who's really trying to understand this process to read that article. And it really breaks down this concept of um, procrastination being an emotion um, influence thing. So a lot of times we really go into, you know, I'm just not structured or I'm not, you know, the whole I'm lazy or I'm forgetful or all of these things that people um, judge themselves uh, in the ways that they judge themselves around this. It really kind of demystifies all of that and lets you know it's very much an emotion management process. And it does a really good job of explaining that. There's also for anybody, you know, like we said, everybody deals with procrastination, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a problem for everybody. If anybody's interested in taking a quiz to see how disruptive their procrastination is, and is it something that needs attention or not, there's a good quiz on verywellmind.com that you can take that has, it's like 10, 12 questions, and really breaks it down to let you know how, how disruptive this is for you in particular. And then a lot of the information that I shared today comes from a website called solvingprocrastination.com. It's one of those where you can, it really breaks down all the concepts, you know, all the, um, the steps to manage procrastination that I mentioned earlier came from there. And you can even sign up for um, specific information for you around different parts of this that you want to target for yourself. Oh, those sound like incredible resources. And we will really definitely good. link to all of those in the show notes. And tell us where we can find you online. So your website, as well as any social media handles you'd like to share. Sure. So I am at AtlantaMentalHealthCounseling.com. Um, the business is called Crossroad, Crossroads Mental Wellness Services. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, all that at Crossroads Mental Health. Perfect. And we'll add that to the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much for all this incredible information today, Dr. Ndala. I'm sure everybody will appreciate it. I hope it's helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad Dr. Ndala was able to share her expertise with us today. To find out more information about her and her practice and the resources she shared, Check out the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 128. Don't forget to share this episode with two people in your circle and share your takeaways with us either on Twitter or in your IG stories using the hashtag TBG in session. Remember that if you're looking for a therapist in your area, 
Be sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic and meet some other sisters in your area, come on over and join us in the Yellow Couch Collective, where we take a deeper dive into the topics from the podcast and just about everything else. You can join us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash YCC. And don't forget to check out our online store where you can grab a copy of our guided affirmation track, breakup journal, or your favorite Therapy for Black Girls t-shirts, sweatshirts, or mug. Go ahead and grab your goodies at therapyforblackgirls.com shop. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.